Hello and welcome to the RevOps Show. We're all familiar with this thing called the status quo. And if you grew up when I did, you'll probably hear High School Musical in your head. At least that's what happens to me. All I keep hearing is, if you wanna be cool, follow one simple rule, don't mess with the flow, stick to the status quo. Anyways, thanks for uh, going down memory lane with me. And if you forgot about High School Musical, you're welcome for getting that stuck in your head. Today, Doug and Jess are going to get into the status quo, which takes a different turn than where Jess thought the conversation would go. So let's jump into how the status quo can be an enabler in RevOps. See, I thought I would throw a change up there. Jess! Doug! How's it going? I don't know. I think I'm ready for a nap. Same. It's been a week. Seems to be every week, though. I was going to say, isn't every week a week? Every week's a week. Accurate. See, just in the world of fast growth, <laughs> an hour is a day, a day's a week, a week's a month, and a month is a quarter. Yeah. A quarter is a year. A year is a decade. Wow. A decade is a score. Millennia? Oh, a score. Okay. Millennia, that'd be a thousand. It would. Don't you have to go to like a hundred century? Shouldn't you go to century? Century should have gone. Should have gone to century before millennia. Should have gone to century. We got to get our. Uh, <laughs> you you got to learn your uh, Roman numeral system. I do apparently. I'll go. I'll go beef up on that for the next episode. So what's happening in the world of Godliness? Oh my god! I don't know. I was sick this week. I'm home. I'm a single parent for part of the part of the week because my husband's traveling. So that that's probably why I'm like it's been it's been a more disruptive week for me than than usual. Now, is he gone for the weekend? He's gone for the weekend as well. Yes. Comes home Sunday night. So I'm going to spend Mother's Day by myself with my kids and it's going to be amazing. Well, aren't they going (laughs) to take care of you? I forgot it's Mother's Day this weekend. Yeah. Remember, it's Mother's Day. Um. Yeah, sure. The the seven year old and the ten year old are gonna take care of me. That's that's how it's gonna. Play Don't they? Out. Aren't they? Isn't that the age that they make their first attempts to provide breakfast in bed? And <sighs> so I'm not gonna lie. Is... I'm praying there's no plans for them to try to do that on their own because the cleanup. Yeah, my favorite so. my favorite uh, example of Mother's Day is what Tony Coinhauser said. He asked his wife for on Father's Day it, the only present he wanted for Father's Day. What's that? Permission to go golfing on Mother's Day. <laughs> nice. Nice. And that is what makes Tony Kornheiser Tony Kornheiser. <laughs> so what are we talking about today, Jess? I want to talk about whether... You said I wasn't allowed to do a rant, so... I did say that. We've had, we've had enough rants on the... I don't know. This, this, might, this might be rant-worthy. We'll see. Oh... Um, I want to talk about whether the status quo is your real adversary in sales. Okay, so uh, why don't you give everybody a little bit of context? Tell me what you're thinking. What's leading to the question? Let's kind of let's frame so, it. So, so we, you know, we talk about 
well, we talked about it in CRM implementation for sure, which is, you know, there, there's obviously the choice of what you buy, but then there's also the choice to not move forward and just maintain status quo. Um, I think of it as kind of just drifting along, <laughs> if you will. And so with sales teams, there's de there definitely is this MO at times to maintain status quo and just continue going how you've been going. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, you know, your thoughts on, is that, is that positive? Is that negative? And, and how does that impact your growth and your sales team overall? There's a lot of different angles to take this. Um, mm -hmm. one thing I want to point out is that there's the, um, <clears throat> there's always the option to make no decision. Mm -hmm. Um, no decision does not equal status quo. No, no decision does not equal stick with the status quo. Sometimes stick with the status quo is a sample of no decision. Mm -hmm. um, but oftentimes no decision is actually just indecision. Okay. How and is that, that different? When, when you look, when you talk about status quo and you're looking at status quo, there's you're, you, you deal with what's called status quo bias. Okay. And, and, and status quo is the bias. <clears throat> it's the old phrase, you know, the devil, you know, is better than the devil. You don't know. Yep. One reason that people don't change things to better is because, well, I might not love what I have, but at least I know what I have. And now you're asking me to go to the unknown. So, so there's a, there's a status quo bias, which is, um, you know, to be able to break status quo, um, you, the case has to be made um, and, and, and the system has to be structured so that, you know, the case for change is, is understood. And basically what it, what it comes down behaviorally is the pain of not changing has to be greater than the pain of changing. Um, so you've got status quo bias when, or, or, you, or you're experiencing status, the status quo phenomena when the choice for change hasn't been, or the case for change has not been sufficiently built or accepted. Um, indecision is, you have built the case, right? There is the acknowledgement that change is needed, that you want change, that change is necessary, but you still don't take action or, or you still don't change. Um, again, the, the net might be the same, but right. the cause is very different. And more importantly, what you need to do in that situation is also very different. And, and, and the problem is most people treat it like um, most people treat no decision or indecision as all status quo. It's status quo. Um, and we can get into that if that's where you want to go. Um, the other aspect when you said is, is status quo your enemy um, from a sales perspective. Mm -hmm. The question I have there is, are, 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 are you asking me is status quo the enemy from the perspective of I'm, I'm my go to market motion in sales and the results I'm trying to get from sales, or are we talking about it from the standpoint of um, a RevOps responsibility and I'm trying to, to drive change within or with the sales organization? So I was thinking about it from the RevOps standpoint of trying to drive change within the, the sales organization and the resistance you get when doing that and kind of the sales team wanting to maintain that status quo. Okay. So, um, so what you're telling me is all the prep I did for this episode 
was for the wrong status quo. Okay, no problem. I can with that. <laughs> so RevOps is charged with, with bringing change. And the question is, is the status quo your enemy? Yeah. What are the other options? If, they're, if it's not the enemy, what is it? Well, if it's not if it's not your enemy, then it's your friend. <laughs> um, okay, that's a very binary um, viewpoint, but that's fine. Uh, there's two answers that are going through my head. Um, mm-hmm. One is, I mean, the first is it's the wrong question, and and the reason I say that is because it is the status quo is. What do you mean the status quo is? The status quo is not working for you or against you. Mm-hmm. It's just there. Okay. And, and so if you manage the process correctly, it's your friend. And if you manage it incorrectly, it's your enemy. But if you're trying to drive change and there's this want to maintain status quo, doesn't, isn't that, aren't those two opposing forces? Aren't those, like, isn't that so, stopping you from being able to move forward and make a change? So are, are, are you talking about inertia? Yes. Does the status quo equal no change? Well, the way I think about it, 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 it does, because that means you're just maintaining what you've been doing this, this entire time. And that, Jess, is why they pay me the big bucks. <laughs> and that, Jess, is why the two people from Italy said, I am oh the my God. famous one. Um, the famous one. So Jess, if we stuck with the status quo here, mm-hmm. you know, we're working on a bunch yep. of things. So if we said, you know what, screw that. We're just staying with the status quo. Does mm-hmm. that mean two weeks from now, there's not going to be any change? Nothing's going to be any different? Well, that's like, okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, so, because the, 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 the landscape will change and, and what we're working on will change and Dynamics. And what we're doing will, will change. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you consider the fact that what, you know, where does this question come up most frequently? The, it, 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 where this issue comes up most frequently is when we're trying to create greater scalability, greater predictability, mm-hmm. standardization, et cetera. And the difficulty is that the status quo is too variant. We're too all over the place. There's, there's chaos, there's confusion, et cetera. So, so here's what we're saying, right? The problem that we're having is everybody's always doing something different. And so we want to drive change, but the problem is that they've got a bias to status quo. Um, so they're not going to change. Yeah. That's accurate. So, so I, I don't disagree that, that the perception of status quo mm-hmm. is no change, but one of the first things that you, that, that you have to realize is, Change and status quo are not opposite ends of, the, of, of, of a spectrum. They're, they're different things. Because again, in your status quo, things are changing. Things are going to change. Uh, and, and by okay. the way, as you said, and, and even if you don't change, even if you don't change, the world mm-hmm. around you is changing. So the context and the impact and, but here's the interesting thing, right? So, so the people who come in and, and talk about change, 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 um, large language models, going to change the world. Um, <laughs> The internet changed the world. It did, and it didn't. So, so here's. Tell me what actually changed. 
information at our fingertips. <laughs> so information accelerated. Yeah. Okay. All right. Okay. I, okay. Right. Now I follow what you mean. There, 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 I mean, the, the biggest difference you can say is, I mean, like legitimately the paradigm shift is a, a asymmetry of information to less, but, but here's, here's a question for you. Is there really a lack of asymmetry of information? Do you really have access to all information and, and you no. have the same access to the information that here, here's the thing that we found. That's actually the most interesting in the democratization of mm -hmm. we went from Gaussian distributions to Pareto distributions. Okay, I'm going to need you to remind me what, what bell, that is. <laughs> bell curves to the 80-20. Okay. Distributed. So, so if we go back into the 1950s and 60s, 70s, and 80s, what we saw is as rich people were getting richer, mm -hmm. the, average, the average person, the middle class, was getting more rich than the rich people were. That is not true anymore. That is right. the opposite of true, right? Um, Remember when inbound started? Inbound was the great equalizer. The internet is the great equalizer. Right. In the old days, you had to outspend your competition because the cost of distribution was too high. And today, you can outthink your competition. Yet, the principles of number one, number two, or go do something else, have only been reinforced. Right. And by the way, I would say, if anything, I mean, it used to be number one, number two, and to some degree, number three. Now it's basically number one. Right. Facebook yeah. owns social. Google owns search. I mean, it, it's called the Facebook and Google text. Start a consumer business and don't and don't advertise on Facebook. Good luck to you. <laughs> by the way, what what did Facebook announce? Um, Facebook announced a year ago that Apple's change to opt out of that information was having a dramatic impact on the effectiveness of their ads and was impacting them to the tune of $10 billion, except now people are only spending more. And by the way, if you look at the spend on Facebook, the spends keep mm -hmm. going up, by yeah. the way, what are you getting for the bigger spend is continuing to go down. So, so the whole basis of, of search and how search changed the world mm -hmm. was the advertising complex had their chin stuck out. It was artificially high rates that they could control because you had to be on. And this came in and, and now I could bypass all that craziness and et cetera. Yep. Right. Except, I mean, that was true for a little while, but it didn't actually change anything. We're actually right back. And in some cases it's even more structural than it was. And so one of the things that, that like my favorite thing about Jeff Bezos, philosophy is, you know, he always says that, that his advantage has always been that where most people define everything by what's changed and focus on what's going to change over the next five or 10 years. I focus mm -hmm. on what's not changing. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and, and here's the thing that, that, that you've got that doesn't change. Right. And, and by the way, we can bring in uh, on, on, until this element changes, we can bring in AI, we can bring in large language models. We can bring in, um, robots we can bring in aliens we can bring whatever we want to bring in and and the human biological psychological system while it continues to evolve has not changed radically right right and and so is ai going to change the world i mean yes it's going to have a big impact but is it going to fundamentally change everything what what's the key to a great movie pitch what's the great what, what's the key to a great 
uh, fundraising pitch for a new, for a new business. It's like this and different. Mm-hmm. Okay. If it's just gotcha. different, you're too different. Right. Right. So if all you're talking about is changing, mm-hmm. then you can't get any change because you have no stability. Like why can, I mean, shit, I, people have been calling for the extinction of IBM for <laughs> 40 years now. Yeah. Why can IBM do something small and it have massive impact and it takes them forever to do it? Right. And I mean, back when we started, we made, we did five big things a week and nothing happened. <laughs> so, so is inertia, is inertia the enemy? If there were no inertia, we, there probably would be no life. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start there. If you're looking for job security as a RevOps person, I would say the first aspect of job security is life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and I'm obviously exaggerating and, and having a little fun on purpose, but, but one of the things about inertia is mass. Okay. So when, um, you've been here seven years now, seven years, almost seven, yeah. seven years ago, we had, we had less inertia. What did you say here? We had less. Inertia. Yeah. 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 yeah, Far less. <laughs> but anytime we wanted to do anything, it had less impact. We had no mass. Yeah. Okay. We could change anything because we had no mass. It's like, Hey, here's a feather. What's preventing us from doing that? A feather. Right. And, and so, um, what is it? Is it the second law of thermodynamics or, or the second law of physics? You know, a body of motion, uh, I'm sorry, coefficient, the, the coefficient of friction, mm-hmm. a body at rest tends to stay at rest. The body of motion tends to stay in motion. Yeah. So, so by the way, what's the first thing that you want? Motion. Right. Now here's the difficulty. Is it our enemy? Okay, so we've got a motion. We're going in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. We're doing the wrong thing. The, the The mistake is, and when you think of it as change status quo, mm-hmm. is you try to attack the change directly. Yeah, I'm thinking. Yeah, okay. So, so we're going to the left, and I want to go to the right. So right. I attack it directly. Well, if you're going to do that, then you need to attack it with equal force. Okay. And actually you can't attack it with equal force. You have to attack it with disproportionate force because if mm-hmm. all I do, if I have a body going, if I have something going to the right mm-hmm. and I attack it with the same force, it will slow it down. Right. It won't even actually though stop it because of the momentum. This is why concussions are so prevalent in football. Mm-hmm. Right. If you look at what happens, you got a wide receiver running at 20 miles an hour, a cornerback running at 20 miles an hour in opposite directions, wearing plastic equipment. When they collide, yeah. this all came out on, in, after the Hamill thing about what the like, it's like 10 G's of force are created okay. there, or eight. It's like some disproportionate yeah. level. So now here's another question. We need to change. Actually, I was just having a conversation with this, um, with one of our team members about this. Mm-hmm. And I say in any given situation, you can go into it and you can define the situation by what you don't know mm-hmm. or by what you do know. Yeah. Now, if you go in and define it by what you don't know, you'll, you, you're going to go in, you're going to be uncomfortable. You're not going to have a lot of confidence. You're not going to have a lot of command and you're going to feel lost. Yeah. Right. But if you go in, in any situation and you, and you define it by what you do know, so Hell of a lot more comfortable place to start from. Right. 
So we talk about change. Mm -hmm. Do we need to change everything? Does everything here need to change? Well, no. <laughs> so, so one of the things that I learned, and this is from this is from a sales standpoint, right? Yeah. We would come in. Someone would tell you, "Okay, I've got this problem, this problem, this problem." Right. And we'd go, "Oh, great. Well, we can fix this." Mm -hmm. And fear is triggered. Why is fear triggered? Well, fear is triggered because what I just said is I'm going to change everything. Right. And what you're afraid of is, well, wait, if we change everything, we're going to change everything I don't like and everything I do like. And right. that's why we go in, we ask what it defines success. Mm -hmm. What, what are the barriers to success? Yep. What are the enablers to success? Want to deliver a change management, change management message that can stick. Mm -hmm. Here's where we need to go. Here's why it's important to get there. Mm -hmm. We need to, Overcome, address, fix, change these things, the barriers, yep. while reinforcing it, while reinforcing and strengthening these things. Right. Okay. Right. And and so the other problem is if you're focusing on change, you're you're communicating you're communicating the disruption, you're com you're communicating the 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 instability. Yep. And and what, what's happening there is you've also eliminated context. I have no why, context why if you're changing. Because if you're, what, I, we talked about this before. AI is going to change everything. Mm -hmm. What this means is. Mm -hmm. Well, if it's going to change everything, then okay, you don't so know what like, it means. It's, 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 it's this, but different. It's that concept. Okay. Right. Gotcha. Well, well and, and by the way, there are some things that I think are going to have, you know, um, Copernican Mm -hmm. impacts. Yeah. Right. I'm just trying to use really big SAT words on, on the podcast today. So that you're making everybody uh, use Google <laughs> today. Copernicus was the person who made the observation that, that the universe didn't rotate around earth. We rotated around the sun. Right. Um, by the way, that changed everything. It changed everything. <laughs> and so you cannot predict you can't even postulate everything changing. Right. Right. What happens if the internet becomes illegal? If the internet becomes illegal? Yeah. Yeah. What happens if the internet becomes illegal? That would be very disruptive. And I don't know. But, but we don't like. I, ways. Yeah. You right. Know, could the internet become illegal? Yes, it could. How much time should I spend thinking about the internet becoming illegal? Probably None. not a lot. Why? Yeah. Two reasons, very small probability of happening. But number two is there's nothing I can do about it. And, and the only things that could have any chance. Oh, actually, here's a real scenario. Because I had people when I was in financial services, um, some of the, especially the uh, counter investments that we, would, that we would use, they were often represented by very counterintuitive people. And they used to say, um, the dollar. Mm-hmm is a fraud. The dollar is a con. The dollar is a, I had one person who told me, was trying to tell me the dollar is a Ponzi scheme. Not only is the dollar a Ponzi scheme, currency is a Ponzi scheme. You need to be prepared. You know, this is going to happen and everything's going to blow up and you need to be prepared. And I would, and my response was, well, what happens if that, ha let's say you're right. What happens? Yeah. yeah. The closest he could get was maybe we're back to a barter economy, to which, mm -hmm. by the way, I, I did point out to him that his investment would not be particularly helpful or useful if if that were to happen. 
Right. But again, so, so when you have that level of shift, mm-hmm. um, you can't, you can't predict that. And so we keep, so if we define things by what's changing, mm-hmm. then, then how, how, when no wonder no why we don't hold. have alignment. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and by the way, if you take a look at, at, at the greatest science fiction that's out there for all of the, this is a completely different world. Mm-hmm. So if you watch Star Wars and, and like this isn't new by any means, but if you watch Star Wars mm-hmm. visually, especially when it came out, it, it was different. This was like nothing we've ever seen before. It is a completely different world. It is totally reimagined. Mm-hmm. Unless you watched Westerns. <laughs> right. Because that's all it is. It's a Western in, in space. So, so, so when you look at the greatest science fiction that, that, you know, the dystopian worlds of whatever, like however you want to do, what you're going to find is what enables the story to work, what enables the story, what enables people to understand the story is what is the same. Right. And, and by the way, that is why those types of movies, like dystopian type movies that put you in, a totally different place. One of the reasons that there's, that there's such great commentary for, for modern times is they're actually telling the story of now, but like, I remember the episode um, on Star Trek on the original Star Trek. And there was, um, I'm I'm misremembering the colors, but blue, white and white blue. Mm -hmm. So like the the people were half, like one half of their body was, blue the other half of their body was white but the two different species it was reversed one was on the right side the left side and right. they were reversed and of course that was a commentary on you know caucasian african-american and it actually led to a conversation that 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 really had impact on race et etc cetera, et cetera. so that right um because you're watching that and you're like well that's just ridiculous like you know and uh, okay so so again go, so coming back to it if you want so from a rev op standpoint Mm-hmm. A, you can't fix everything. But I thought that's why you had RevOps is to fix everything. <laughs> well, let let's say that you could. Okay. Let's just say for a second that the number of things you're working on isn't the issue. Right. If we were working in simple systems, in really simple systems. Mm-hmm. So so let's say we had literally a manufacturing machine, a piece of a piece of equipment that mm-hmm. had a hundred different sections to it and there was something wrong with all 100 segments okay and, and this is a machine that that is an algorithmic machine it just does the same thing again and again and right again and again. right so you have 100 problems you could theoretically have 100 different teams work on each part simultaneously and mm-hmm. fix it. Mm-hmm. and the reason is each part is independent of the other part mm-hmm. but when you're what makes a complex system complex mm-hmm. what makes it an ecosystem is everything impacts everything. Right. So, so if I were to go in outside of the fact that whether it's inertia or something else that, that, that creates a problem, mm-hmm. if I were to fix 10 things at the same time, the problem is the things that I'm fixing are all different. Impact. Yeah. Fic- but, but it's not even the impact. Like it, it, it it's why when I coached baseball, we, we started from the bottom and we worked up, but we also only worked at one thing at a time. Cause if I'm changing your feet positioning, 
and your weight distribution while I'm changing where your hands are. Well, in changing your feet position, I'm changing your hands. And in changing your hands, I'm actually changing your feet position. Right. So, so it's kind of like we, we have a, we like to think of, of change. Mm-hmm. Um, we like to think of process in, in a very linear time continuum. Okay. So I think, so, so everything happens in order. And so yeah, again, it's an independent element. Yeah. What, what happens when you're, when you're changing a, a complex system and, and physicists will be able to rip this apart, <sighs> but it is, it, it's the equivalent of you're changing, like the future is changing the past. Yep. So, so the condition that led you to say, I need to change this. If you're changing something else too, mm-hmm. changes that condition. And, and the thing that you're changing changes the impact of the condition. And it's why it, it, it's why salespeople would get frustrated with me when I coach them, because I would spend 50% of the time on the first two minutes of, of, uh, of, of the first conversation of 10 conversations, let alone the beginning of, of, of a single conversation. Right. And you'd be like, well, well, the reason, like, if you change what you did here at the beginning, then everything after that changes as well. Right. Um, and, and so, oh, by the way, if I'm talking to, if I'm working with a salesperson, I'm like, you need to change everything that you're doing. Mm-hmm. The base aspect in that statement is what they're doing. They need to change everything. They, they should not be selling. <laughs> and and, okay. and by the way, if, if you're talking about organizationally, mm-hmm. if a company's not doing about 80% of it right, RevOps is probably not the thing they should be focused on. Right? RevOps is a good to great discipline. It is not right. a completely fucked up to... Because I've got news for anybody out there in RevOps. Product market fit is not a RevOps issue. Is RevOps responsible for helping to potentially provide data and, and context and right. insight? And are, are they a participant in product market fit? Yes, they are because they're a part of the go-to-market strategy. And But it, but that is go-to-market. That is, um, a, a, you know, to some degree, you know, does, you know, RevOps is responsible for optimizing the economic model. They're not responsible for changing the economic model. Right. Changing the economic model has changed beyond RevOps. Should RevOps be a participant in that process if you have it? Yes. But by the way, if you don't have a base level of economic model and a base level of product market fit and you say, hey, let's bring in RevOps, we need to control friction. I don't know. Maybe you need to throw out a few more things that that don't scale to figure out where, you know. Right. Okay. So so the, the key is, like, if I want to change something, mm-hmm. first off, I, I firmly believe you to change anything, you have to start off with a strength. Okay. Right. And, and, and the reason is if I'm not starting off with a strength, then, then there's no confidence. Okay. Yeah. And humans can't, humans can't, humans can't do something different if they don't have confidence. Right. So I want to start off with a strength. Mm-hmm. Cause by the way, the, the goal is to reinforce our strengths, not, right. not to, not to make our weaknesses less weak. Okay. So I want to start off with a strength. I want to start off with wh- where, where are we right? Or, or where are we the closest to right? Where are we the closest to not wrong? That doesn't mean that I'm not going to need to address that. Like, okay, this is the closest to not wrong. Right. Um, this is not going to get us where we need to go 
in, in part five of our journey, but I'm on part one right now. So I'm going to start there. Right. And I need to get to part two. Um, and, and so in that case, when, if you start looking at it through that lens, there's a couple of things. One is the perception that I'm changing, you know, this, this gets to a human bias. It's, it's the omission bias. Mm-hmm. If you decide like, you know, you're, you, you take your kids to, to swim, to gymnastics or something like that. And you decide, you know what, we're, we're leaving. Uh, we got out here a little bit early. You know what? I'm going to take the more scenic route. Mm-hmm. And you you come to a place where there, where a, a big tree fell down and, and there's 17 cars in front of you, 17 cars behind you. You can't move. You can't do anything. You're stuck. See, I, I did that instead of getting into an accident. I thought just being stuck. <laughs> Since, since, since your kids are there, um, you're going to say, oh my God, why did I, why did I choose today of all days to do something different? Right. Yeah. And you're yeah. going to say, yep, I made a bad choice today. Right. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. If, if you take the route that you take every day and the same thing happens, you're going to say, oh my, I can't believe how unlucky I am. Yeah. Yep. You're not going to, you're not going to attribute it to a choice. Right. Even though you made a choice. So, so the first thing that you do when you're dealing with status quo mm-hmm. is, is you help people under you, you, you demystify status quo. Change is happening, right? Yeah. I, I dealt with this all the time. I worked with people when I was financial advisor, my, my primary market was officer level employees of fortune 500 companies below the proxy level. Um, they typically had 80, 90% of their wealth tied up in their company stock. I had ExxonMobil people that had, you know, they were worth $7 million. They had 5.8 million of it in ExxonMobil stock. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and there are two issues with that. A, that's not a particularly smart thing to do, but B, I got paid for managing money, which meant money had to be managed. So like, Hey, I got a client. He's got $7 million, but he's not doing anything with it. Um, what would happen? It was always be if, you know, a stock like ExxonMobil was always always either in a rally or or going down, right? So you're right. So when it was in a rally, it was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. We should diversify, but let's wait until it's done with its rally, right? And of course, it was on the way down. It's like, well, you know, a few months ago or you know, like, ten years yeah. ago, it was worth three times that. So let's wait for it to recover a little bit in that, right? And so I would say to them, and again, this is status quo, right? Right. This yeah. is a, this is absolute status quo bias. So I would say to them, I want you to pretend for a moment that um, you have no money, nothing. You are completely and totally broke. Right. Okay. Or as a friend of mine like to say, you don't have a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. Um, so you have nothing. Mm-hmm. And every morning, and in the morning, your fairy godmother comes down <laughs> and says, Jess, I'm, I'm going to weigh my wand and you're going to have $6 million. Mm-hmm. But the condition is, all $6 million must be invested. Okay. So you now have $6 million to invest. How much of that money do you put in ExxonMobil? The response that I got was, I see what you're doing, Doug. And it's a good question, but I can tell you, I don't know how much I would put in ExxonMobil, but I would definitely put a good bid in ExxonMobil. Right. And I, and I would say, would you put 90% in ExxonMobil? <laughs> and they would respond, oh, no, 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 not 90%. No. I said, okay, great. I got you. Here's what you need to understand. Every morning when you wake up with money in the stock market, your fairy godmother comes down and says, 
here's the money. It has to right. be invested. Every morning you're making a buy sell decision. Right. And anytime you're not selling, you're buying. And anytime you're not buying, you're selling. Right. And so if you want to keep 80 to 90% in, you know, if you want to keep the $6 million in ExxonMobil, mm -hmm. that, that, that's fine. But understand this morning you woke up and you decided to buy $6 million of ExxonMobil stock. Right. And tomorrow when you wake up, you're going to decide, are you buying $6 million of ExxonMobil stock? And by the way, it was amazing almost instantaneously. It's like, okay, Doug, let's move forward. Like it almost like they didn't. It, and all I did was I penetrated that. So, right. So, okay. Now, what I also did was I, I leveraged status quo. What was mm -hmm. their status quo? Well, they were worth $6 million. Right. They were financially very comfortable. By the way, the issue that happened for them was these people never set out. Like most of them never thought they were going to be worth a million dollars, let alone $6 mm -hmm. million. Yeah. Right? They were engineers who were interested in something and they, and all of a sudden, by the yep. way, um, ExxonMobil had a cash value pension, which was responsible yep. for a lot of it. Um, and, and so the thing was like, all of a sudden they woke up one day, Thomas Stanley calls it the accidental millionaire. They woke up one day and, you know, they were worth a million dollars. The mm -hmm. thing was, they didn't know how the money, they didn't know how they got it because they didn't do anything. Right. Well, what's connected to that is that it, it makes it mysterious. So right. I don't know how it, how I got it. So my natural fear is because it came, it came to be miraculously, it could mm -hmm. disappear miraculously. That, right. By the way, that was literally the fear. So once we helped understand how this worked and, and they saw, Oh, wait, yeah. Oh, I will be okay. Oh, I, right. It, it, it changed the entire frame, but what it did, mm -hmm. the key to the strategy that I did, and I got people to, I mean, I, I, I would get asked the question, like, how do you get people to change so quickly? <laughs> right? And and what it was is the, the genius of the strategy was it was all built on the existing framework of thought. So I took, I used the status quo yeah. to enable the change that I wanted. Yeah. See, um, I interviewed Matt Dixon um, earlier this year on, uh, we did a RevOps uh, show interview. He wrote the book, Joel. Um, mm -hmm. and, and, and this is where he talks, like the book is literally about what we started off with, that, that no decision mm -hmm. could be status quo bias, could be indecision. Right. And that the problem is the way sales has been taught and, and, and implemented, it, it assumes all no decision is status quo bias. So, so here's the excerpt. Uh, deeply entrenched sales advice says to double down on your efforts to sell a buyer on all the ways they might win by choosing you and your business, right? All the reasons you might win right. by making a change. Right. But this approach fails dramatically. Why? Because it completely gets wrong. The primary driver behind purchasing decision, I'm sorry, behind purchasing decision. Once mm -hmm. purchase intent is established, Customers no longer care about succeeding. What they really care about is not failing. Oh, that's interesting. Okay. The, there, there is a, a behavioral principle called um, satisficing. Mm -hmm. um, there's maximizing and satisficing. Satisficing yep. is, and by the way, 95% or more of what we do in our life is, mm -hmm. is satisficing. Because if we were okay. to try to maximize everything, we wouldn't be able to move. We, we would have to make 
so many decisions. Satisficing is not about seeking to make the decision that has the best chance of being the best choice. It's seeking the choice that has the least chance of being the worst choice. Mm -hmm. That is why no one ever got fired buying from IBM. Right. Right. The level of effort it takes to, right. And, and so here's the other thing that we did. That's a mistake. We say, we are going to transform your experience. Right. Okay. I, I don't, I don't want, and by the way, if you're talking about salespeople, they're the most change resistant people in the world. I know. I know. Okay. Um, we are going to change the, and then, and then here's the other thing we go. It is going to be amazing. It's going to be yeah. balls, right? Inbound marketing. We are going to be generating leads for you at such a volume. You won't even know what to do. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so, we, so, so we overplay this. Yeah. We hype because you know what that does? It creates a sugar high. I mean, it's a really nice sugar addiction. Right. In the moment. Yeah. But there's no there there. And, and, and everything is set up for failure and the first piece of experience comes in and. Pfft. Yep. So the question is not why are, why are we, why are you better off mm -hmm. because of the changes that we're making? That's not mm -hmm. what's going to move people. Yeah. The, the positioning is why will you fail? Why will you not succeed? Why will your life be harder? Right. If you, if you don't, don't. change. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, in changing, mm -hmm. here's how we're supporting you through that. Right. Right. And, and, and this is important for two reasons. And I saw this with the whole inbound marketing insanity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. To get reps excited mm -hmm. and, and sometimes to justify the investment, they said, look, your reps are spending whatever amount of time cold calling and, and it's only generating this type of. And it's frustrating and this, this, and this. We are going to create content and people are going to find us. And um, and so then we went and we run and we told the reps that we're going to do this, this, and this. And guess what the reps hurt? Don't need a call anymore. Okay, we're doing something new. I'm going to stop doing what I'm doing. Right. And then I said, wait, where are my leads? <laughs> right. Oh, wait, where's my this? Right. Oh, wait, it takes time. It takes some time. Well, Well, hold on. You told me to stop. Yeah. Well, we didn't say stop. We said it's going to change. Right. And you remember, you remember what we used to say. We said, look, you launch inbound marketing. You do not tell your sales team about it. Or, or, yeah, you, or, or you tell your sales team that, you know, we need this information from you. Like we need feedback from right. you on things. But right. Yeah. When you start generating the leads, that's when you start talking to the salespeople about yeah. that. And so yeah. th those are the places where if you look at what we're doing, and mm -hmm. so if you think back to that, what we're finding is where are the places that we aren't changing? Right. And how do we frame from there? So is status quo your friend or your enemy? If I didn't have it, I wouldn't have any context. Right. Status quo is your context. It's, it's, or it's at least a certainly a good piece of it. Right. right. Yeah. No. So it's interesting because I hadn't thought about this before in relation to status quo, but like, for implementations, if you look at this, we go from one system to another and at launch, we're frequently trying to replicate the functionality in that previous system in the new one, just to 
be able to get that foothold and that understanding of, of how it translates. We find it much harder when we go from no system to a system versus well, like, so like our CRM. So like no, no CRM to a CRM versus CRM A to correct. CRM B. Yeah. Cause, and, cause they don't have any context. And by, and by the way, on top of that, and, and this is where I see a lot of people go wrong on this because it, it's funny. Yes, we do that. But a lot of people watch what I do and they're surprised how little I ask about their current tool. Right. Uh, and, and, and here's why. Most people, what they're most familiar with is their most mundane activities because it happens. So they're, right. they are most familiar with the keys that they enter and the screen right. that pops up. And so now we bring you a new screen and wait, this is that Wait, Hold on. I don't know. <laughs> And so what, what we're getting from you and you, you use the word functionality, which is, yes, that's the right word, but people miss it. Right. It's not, it's not, we're not trying to copy the look and feel we're trying. So what we're going to do is we're either going to start with the user story or we're going to take the functionality and put it into a user story so right. we can say, okay, here's how you did this here. Here's how you're going to do this here. And so again, Oh, okay. It's the use. And, and by the way, it also gets into the why of, and, and, and yes, that's how we build that out is, is, and, and that is all about how you frame it. So status quo, and that's why I say status quo and inertia, it's like friction. It's friction, good or bad. Friction is. Yeah. So the question is not, is status quo or inertia good or bad? Your, your ally or your enemy. Mm-hmm. The question is, how are you using it? Yeah. Um, this didn't go where I thought it was going to. <laughs> where did you think it was going to go? Um, I thought we were going to talk more specifically around like the cases where status quo is negative and status quo is positive. I didn't think we were going to go to just status quo. But I mean, I, I, I think it's a great point. Um, and I hadn't thought about status quo as being your anchor to what changes what changes are being made and kind of using it that way. I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. The status quo is your environment. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and, and so, I mean, if I were to, if I were to take you completely out of your environment, by the way, early in early days of websites, people got very, very uncomfortable on mm -hmm. a website because we had all been attuned like if I walk to a spot in a store, I have the experience of walking to the spot in the store. I know where I am. It's a physical representation. I've got my sense of direction, et cetera. But on websites, I mean, sometimes I would just like pop up in the middle of the store. Wait, where am I? Yeah. And and think about this. Even, even in the physical world, you are here signs. <laughs> Create safety. <laughs> right. Right. Because, yeah. because if I don't understand my environment, if I don't have the context, I get scared. Yeah. Websites, websites were very disorienting. That's where the breadcrumb trail came, which is right. Oh, this is where I am in relation. Yep. What did we do there? What did we do there in the, in the thing that changed the world? We said what made it work was the realization of how do we take the mm -hmm. function that exists? How do we take the status quo that's right. important and bring that in so that they, oh, I know where I am now. Yep. Yep. And, and the, I'm sorry, the, it's like to go into, like we could go into situations and scenarios around that. And I, 
this has actually been a useful conversation for me because it helps. It has actually helped me understand why some things are like why I don't see things the way other people see them. So, <laughs> which is like once you take this framework, this mindset yeah. that we just talked about, my gut is any examples that you can think of are now completely reconceived. Oh yeah, which, yeah. Which, by the way, to, so to answer any of those things, I would have to say well, why are we doing this? What are the key outcomes? What are the structural gaps? What are the process gaps? Right? So we have a clear why, we have a clear jobs to be done. And then all of a sudden in doing that, guess what? The mystery and and the resistance of status quo begins to disappear. And then we find, oh, wait, well, we're we're changing. Well, we really shouldn't change that because. Yep. Yep. Um, So I liked the Bezos quote that you brought up around. I mean, we've hit on in so many ways, but not focusing on what you're changing, but focusing on what you're not changing. Um, I really like the point around, you can't think of change as linear in a complex system. And then um, if you need, if you need the change, use the status quo to, to enable um, what the change looks like. Build off of the present. And by the way, what is zone two? Zone two, the realm of RevOps, Transformation, that is that is senior leadership. Where are we going? What is the company we need to be? The now, zone two, that is the enablement zone that is taking it and, and building it into what is system design, working off of yep. and coming back in and coming back in. That's, the you know, those are the first principles. Those are the fundamentals to change. Yep. And that's the RevOps mindset to it. Yep. Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. Until next time. Thanks, guys. And that's a wrap on this episode of The RevOps Show. I always saw the status quo similarly to how Jess explained it earlier. Not much change or choosing not to change, when in reality, it just is. It just exists. You're not making a big change, but changes are still happening around you. So it's a new light into a concept that I've known about forever. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to go subscribe on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. Leave us a review and share the episode. If you have any questions you'd like to ask Doug or Jess about the status quo, email me at hannah at liftenablement.com or hit us up on Twitter at demandcreator. Until next time, remember, can't solve your upstream problems downstream.